I too loud? I don't know. Sound good to me. Hello? 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 Check, oh, check, check, check. Maybe. Ah, oh, you're good. You sound okay. phenomenal. Okay. Thank you. Sound Thanks, phenomenal. Jeff. Do a little yeah. Frank Sinatra or something for us. Uh, probably need three more of these. <laughs> Only three? <laughs> wow. You know Frank Sinatra, man? <laughs> no. That's pretty badass, kid. No. Oh, no. Maybe some red hot chili peppers. There we there go. There we go. There we go. I like that. All right, guys. We're recording, so. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Mop Pop Fishing. We got Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel and TikTok now. TikTok. <laughs> Dude, he's blowing up, guys. You guys got to check this Aww. stupid thing. He's, <laughs> this is the thing. This app is, I mean, obviously everybody knows about this. He posted a, a, a video of him filleting a freaking uh, walleye. Walleye, yes. That's it. Wasn't anything extravagant. He was just filleting in a walleye. Okay. And it freaking, how many? Uh, 370,000 right now. Did you do the zipper to take the, no, the bones no. out? I was just, like, they're, they're, they're short clips, so they're, they're uh, one-minute clips. Yeah. So you can only squeeze in so much. Yeah. And, man, people were, they were uh, critical of my flame. <laughs> yeah. he, he got uh, he got reamed. He was just like, God, you're so slow. I would have done 10 by now. Like the cesspool is 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 very real there. Like like oh you need a sharper knife. Like oh I could have done ten in the same time you did that one. Like you didn't do this. You didn't get the cheeks. You didn't get the wings. Like don't worry, I got the wings and cheeks. Yeah, I just can't squeeze the, all that in. There you go. Like, the cesspool oh, you... is broad and deep. Yeah, it's a uh, pretty toxic. I call it tick toxic. Yeah, tick toxic. So so everybody's listening, watching. Uh, we're actually on site up here in Ames. Um, we're at is it. Did I pronounce this? I hope I pronounce this shit right. Is it alluvial? Alluvial. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what it means. What's it mean? Alluvium. Alluvium is the uh, sediments that deposit in the river valley. You know, when the uh, erosion happens on top of the hill and runs down the river, mm -hmm. then the flood comes up. The alluvium or the alluvial deposits are what is left behind after a flood. Thank you, Mr. Wow. Science. Wow. That's, yeah. so, that's my gig. I had no idea there was that much meaning behind That's it. why he's here. <laughs> and, you know, just so everybody's wondering, okay, who that voice has got to be familiar if you guys are listening to this on, you know, just downloading it. So uh, we have Mr. Jeff Kapaska for, with the Iowa DNR joining us. And we have Mr. Man of the Hour, Hank Kohler here. <laughs> Uh, he's joining us uh, fresh off his trip, and that's that's kind of why we came up here. Um, obviously, Cy, you know, Cy Hawk week, and it's kind of cool because you know my hawk's gonna win tomorrow. Oh my god! Or or so you hope and pray. Uh, there we go. So <laughs> you live in a world of illusion. <laughs> We're making our audience choke over there. That's all right. You know, I mean, hey. Like you said, truth is you know hard to swallow. Is that what they say? The truth, truth pills hard to swallow. I think that's the, yeah, yeah. We're gonna start seeing like tomatoes and stuff flying. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, but you know, uh, you know, we decided you know what would be better you know to have Cyhawk Week. We'd be up here, come to Ames. We have these two gentlemen. Um, like I said, Hank just got done with his trip, so we we wanted to know a lot more how it was, you know, how it went. Um, and this is the first time we actually got to meet them in person, you know, obviously too. So it was kind of cool to kind of get our asses up here and, and get a chance to come meet the legends, two legends here. They're, so, so technically, okay, this is beer fish fanatics, right? BFF, right? So this, it, this just fits, right, Kit? Yeah, two BFFs. <laughs> we're, we're among giants, like literal giant and you know, and a figurative giant over here. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, we're sitting down. So if people can't see the 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 tallness of, we, we look like we're we match up, you know, okay, sitting down. Yeah. Hold on, I gotta gotta stand up or sit up a little bit. Yeah. How, how tall are you? About six seven. Oh lord, yeah. So <laughs> we, I think we came up to his chest. He's got a foot and three inches on, on me. That's crazy. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> Is it? Not bad. But anyway, so gentlemen, cheers. Thank you for uh, inviting us to come down or up here. Well, thank uh, you for having us. Appreciate it. Cheers. Mm. I'm, I'm drinking the. Um, all right, I'm gonna to have to have Jeff explain this one because this is this is the this is the one I have to bring to my wife. So I promised her because she she can't have any lactose right now. So what is this one again? That is the no mood. So it's it, the version 1.0 was a milk stout. This is an oat milk stout. So no moo, no milk stout. 
Oh. Hence the name Nomu. Yep. Clever. And Clever. I think that the the original version also has the toasted marshmallows in it. So it's called Mallow Mood Milk Stout. It's just, it's fantastic. I might have to take that uh, yeah. home for myself. Yeah. And that one's on nitro. So if you do take some home, you have to drink it tonight. Otherwise, it'll go flat by tomorrow. Oh, that's, well, 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 it's, it's, it's Friday night. It's tough work if you can get it. It's Friday night. <laughs> yes. Just for those of you playing along at home, it is Five o'clock on Friday night, and I am not on the clock for the Iowa DNR. There we I'm go. I'm enjoying a beer. Love it. Love it. You got that disclaimer in. I, I, yep. Need and, to do that. And it's five o'clock on Friday. I don't work for anybody and haven't for years, so <laughs> it doesn't matter. So that's, a, that's funny. Um, so, Hank. I was okay. So everybody, you know, if you guys didn't listen to our previous podcast that we had, uh, Hank and his son, his son Andy's over here. By the way, he's behind the the camera. We'll we'll see when he can jump on a little bit later. But uh, we had him on our podcast, and you know, he he was kind of telling us about an upcoming trip. Uh, if you guys haven't read the book, go go read the book. You know, this water runs north. Uh, and that was back how many years ago? That original forty-two trip. years ago. That we did that trip in nineteen seventy-nine. So just to kind of give everybody a little bit of a background, uh, there was a book that was written, and you know Hank was on there where he took a trip um, crazy when you were twenty odd years old. Well, I was twenty-seven. The, the other guys with me, my brother and my friend Rich, my friend Danny, they were low twenties. Um, to in fact, I think the two of them were twenty-two, and Danny was only twenty. Wow. And you guys, and you know, go read the book because they took a trip uh, up north, hence the name of the book. Yeah, we left uh, West Central Minnesota by where we have a little cabin, and we thought we'd follow the water as far as it goes. It took us to Hudson Bay, uh, about 1,300 miles, and uh, a tremendous trip. It was the Red River watershed to start with, and then, of course, we had to, to paddle along the east shore of Lake Winnipeg, which is over 300 miles long. Mm-hmm. Then we had another 400 miles of absolute pristine wilderness, you know, just drinking out of the lakes and streams and catching fish for, for food. Yeah, well, you know, easy trip. Anybody yep. could have done that, you know what I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, so but, what, so, so, what, what was ahead. the motivation behind that trip? Like, like how, how does somebody just go like, all right, let's just go canoe from Minnesota all the way up to Alaska? Where, well, where it wasn't Alaska. Alaska. It was well. like, it was still in Manitoba. It's <laughs> yeah. a great question, question though, kid. I, it's just when I was a little boy fishing up there with my dad one time, he asked me where the water went that was raining on us. I told him smartly, I goes to the Gulf of Mexico, and he corrected me immediately. He said, "This water all flows north." And ever since then, I think I was about twelve. I thought, why not do that? Why don't we see if we get in canoes and go from right here to where the water ends up? And of course, I got my brother excited about it and that guy Rich who's sitting over there excited about it. And finally, in 1979, we quit talking about it and did it. And we, we had no sponsorship. We had no uh, we had no reason to do it except that we wanted to challenge the adventure and, and for the fun. It was really a lot about fishing. Because we knew once we got past Lake Winnipeg, we're going to be on rivers and lakes up there that hardly ever see a person or a lure. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of it was uh, just for the fishing adventure and then just to see if we could do it. So we, had, <laughs> we didn't have any pressure on us. We could have quit any time, nice. you know, so yeah. and, and we kept going. And the fishing was spectacular. Mm. So Absolutely how, spectacular. How many miles do you think it was? It was about 1,400. 1,400. Total. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. We can do that tomorrow, Kit. Anytime. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'll go down to Red Rock and we got camp. Like, man, I got to paddle like a mile to go right. camp. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Let alone 14, 1500. Well, miles. all you do is you look at it kind of like the trip we did this summer. You can't look at it it's an entirety and go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to try to go almost 2,000 miles yeah. on the Leaf River, the Crow Wing, and the Mississippi and see if we can do it in under 70 days. I mean, that is imposing. That kind of gets you know, you're thinking, well, I don't know about that. But if you just break it down into a day, and then three days or maybe a week. And all you didn't do is say, hey, we're going to float down this river for 30 miles a day. How about that? Sounds good. Wake up the next day and go, hey, let's do it again. And you just keep piling those together and pretty soon you've gone a long way. So speaking of, so the trip that, that Hank was just talking about, how did that come about? Because uh, he, he just got done taking a trip. Instead of going north, he went south. South. Yeah. So how did that come about? Can you explain to us and, and just... You know, if you want to start from the beginning, how was the trip? And, you know, was it all that you expected and more? It was all of those, all of that more, Grandy. And how it started was a year ago this January, um, I was going up ice fishing to our little cabin up there. And I crossed this little tiny Leaf River, which is what goes from Leaf Lake 
down to the Mississippi and down to the Gulf. Mm -hmm. And the Leaf Lake is where we started that went the other direction, you know, 42 years ago. And I thought, across the river, seriously, it was just like one of these epiphany things that hit me. I thought, you know, I need an adventure. Why don't I start at the very same place and go all the way the other direction? And it just hit me. Why not? I mean, it just was a great feeling to think of doing something kind of kind of special. But I didn't want to do that just for the adventure and the fun and the challenge. I thought at my age and to do it, I'm going to need a bunch of help. I'm going to have to call people that can help me paddle. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to get not money to do it, but I wanted a reason to raise money for a good cause to make it worthwhile to do it. Because I've been to all these fabulous places up in Canada and Montana and different places. I could tell you they're so beautiful, but I have no knowledge or I, I don't have any expertise in protecting them but i thought you know what i'll bet i can make some calls find out from from other people that are smarter than me if i could get people to donate for this excursion and kind of using the uniqueness of starting from the very same spot that we went north from this time go south and see if we can't raise money for good conservation efforts. So I called Dr. Rick Cruz, who's the head of the Iowa Water Center and a fishing partner of mine. Mm -hmm. And through his knowledge, we partnered with the National Mississippi River Museum and Aquarium in Dubuque, met fabulous people up there. And they have what they call their Take Care Program, which is conservation action through advocacy, research, and engagement, where they engage, involve, and impact up to 5,000 young people a year from middle school through college. I, I don't know all the, the nuts and bolts of it, but basically they teach them to do the right things for Mother Earth, you know, to help with the watershed, um, take responsibility um, for where they live and make it better. And I thought, boy, that's a perfect way. If I can get people to donate just because I'm paddling down a river to give something that helps in the future, mm -hmm. boy, that, that's perfect. And that's just what we did. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty cool. And then, thank uh, you. What was the exact mileage of the the paddle? Was it this similar to the? It was more. Was it more? Um, okay. Now, if I would have started at Lake Itasca and gone all the way to the Gulf, what they call a source to sea trip, that's over twenty three hundred miles. But I wanted to start, of course, at the very same spot where we went to Hudson Bay. So I was actually on the Leaf River for only about forty five to fifty miles. That's the entire length of that tiny stream, and it flows into the Crow Wing, which once again then I was only on the crow wing for about 50 miles and then we joined the Mississippi so I had about a hundred miles of two smaller streams but I cut off a couple hundred miles of the Mississippi because I didn't start at Itasca mm -hmm. um, and then uh, when we got to the end you have two choices you can keep going down the Mississippi through Baton Rouge and uh, New Orleans and get to the Gulf that way or you can take a right and go out of the main channel into what's called the Chafalaya River through the Chafalaya Swamp, okay. which heads kind of southwest. Um, it, it cuts off a couple hundred miles of the Mississippi, but then you have about 130 miles of the Chafalaya. And so we did that, mostly for the safety, because I read many accounts. There's some people out there called River Gators from down Louisiana, and they strongly suggest that you don't keep following the main channel through Baton Rouge in New Orleans because of the barge and ocean tanker container ship traffic. Wow. It just, it's real dangerous for like kayaks and canoes. Now people do it, but you know, I, I thought, well, why? I mean, yeah. I, I don't need that extra uh, tension or, you know, you know, thought process of maybe we're in danger at times. So, so we got off on a smaller river and we got to go through the swamp. You know, we got to see alligators. We got to see all the cypress trees and the birds and stuff. It was fabulous. So anyhow, that's a real long answer to your question. It was about <laughs> 1,900 miles total. Wow. So was, was there any certain stretch that really stands out for you? I mean, I'm sure there's like so many, but is there any particular one that just stands out? Well, yeah, there's a lot. First of all, of course, the, the, the beginning, the Leaf River is basically only 20 feet wide. So I'm in a kayak by myself then. It's a very small stream, but I wanted to be able to say I started there. Mm -hmm. And I'd actually kayak part of it earlier this spring and last fall just to see what it was like because I'd never been on it before. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to run into fences or beaver dams and that. So that was really cool, a real stretch. Of course, I was just by myself, very small, intimate stream. Um, so that was very special. And then just to see the difference from what I was on to, you know, 50 days later, what the river looks like that I'm on. Because once you get past St. Louis and you get the Ohio coming in and then the Arkansas and the White, et cetera, and you've already had, you know, the Des Moines River and the Upper Iowa, all the runs along here in the Wisconsin, the Rock. I mean, the, the thing gets ginormous. 
you know, there's times that you're floating along and, and you seriously, you're, you're in a river that's two miles wide or more. Jeez. Wow. Um, so that that change was pretty cool. And then the very end, now the Chafalaya, we were only on it for like five days, but that was really a highlight too, because that is so different than what you see around here. You know, the birds you see are different. The, that, of course you got alligators. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that was really cool from a kid from Iowa. You know, I'm hearing things I haven't heard before. Even the frogs are different, you know. So, uh, and of course, the temperatures were, fat, you know, heat, heat index is 109 all the time. But, oh, you know, anyway, yeah, every part of the trip had its own uniqueness and, uh, and own either pleasure or uh, worry, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what would you say would, was the, your biggest challenge doing this, this trip? That that you would say like you know what that it you didn't expect it I guess you could say there, there, was there a specific challenge that came up that you, it was unexpected Yeah you know I guess one of the biggest challenges uh, would have been just keeping us supplied with water and ice but I did expect that I knew how that was gonna you know every fourth day we needed ice and water so right. we would have to either look at our map and say hey there's a little town here let's see if there's a convenience store you know the one good thing is we had cell service almost all the time so you could google map you know where you are heck we had people you know they could call us and help us or whatever that was expected though the challenge that was unexpected i actually lived in mississippi excuse me i lived in muscatine iowa for about four years right on the mississippi river and i fished it a bunch so i was kind of familiar with the river but the river there compared to the river like at memphis and vicksburg and that is so different and the currents um, that it has and the whirlpools that are created, I don't know why. They just appear. They just, you can hear them all of a sudden, whoosh, and there's a big old whirlpool going over there, the one over here. And it, I mean, there's, there's things that created tension because of unfamiliarity, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and and it, it would scare you at times. There's things that happen that you just wonder, you know, the power of this river. Here's an example. They have channel markers or buoys. And as we're going downstream, the red ones are on our port side, the green ones are on our starboard side, and they mark the channel that has to be at least nine foot deep for the barges and their toes to be able to go through it. Now, obviously you get way down south, the channel's much deeper than that, but they still have the buoys out there to mark them. Well, these things are about four feet in diameter and about eight feet high. And they're on cables then that are anchored with some huge weight down at the bottom. And as we went along on all the hours and all the miles of the trip, we watched four of them disappear. I mean, we're going along and there it is. It's five feet out of the water and it starts wobbling and going under. And before we get to it, it's gone. And by the time you get up there, you don't even see any riffle or waves or anything. Just disappear. We watched it happen four times. And so what causes that? It, it, did its anchor start rolling with the current? Is there a huge tree under there that caught its cable? I mean, we don't know. Huh. I don't know. I know reading, I tried to read as many accounts as I could of other people that have done like the source to see or parts of it. And one of the things they said, one of the dangers is what's called a pop-up buoy. And I'm thinking, what is that? And they go, well, you could be very unfortunate to be going along and unbeknownst to you, all of a sudden a buoy that you never knew was there will pop straight out of the, the water and, and capsize you. And of course, I'm reading that account going, I'm sure that's going to happen. <laughs> but then after you saw some disappear in front of you, you go, well, they're probably going to come back up somewhere. Wow. So, yeah, those things I didn't, I wasn't prepared for that much power or mystery, I guess you could say, of the river. Okay. And so it kept uh, kept us on our toes. You know, if I'm floating down the Boone River to the Boyne River, it's just a leisurely fun day. You're fishing, you're talking, you're laughing. For much of the Mississippi, we were not on the edge of our seat, but we always had to be wary of what we're doing and where we're at and, and how things are going. Hmm. Interesting. Was, yeah. there, was there ever a time where, where you were like, man, I don't know about this whole thing. <laughs> like, like, what did I get myself into? Um, there were some times that, yeah, I mean, you just kind of, you'd, you'd go to sleep at night and think, well, well, we made it through this day. And then you start thinking, well, God, if we got another 40 of those days, what are the odds that maybe something goofy could happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there was one real short period of time, lasted about a half hour, 45 minutes, 
coming into the lock and dam up at Clinton that we got into some waves we shouldn't have been in. It was a mistake. I, it's got to be my fault because I was in, in charge of this, but there were three of us in because there was a friend in a kayak going along with us too, and then I had a really good guy up in front of the canoe, and we were only you know, a half hour away from getting through that lock and dam, and it's getting towards evening, and I said, you know, we can go through these lily pads over and camp here for the night, or if you think that it's safe enough to head, I said, we'll make it a team vote. So we all voted, yeah, there's, you know, the wind isn't gonna come up in the fall, and you know, we're here right now, so let's go. But we got, the wind did come up very, very strong, um, and it's coming from across miles and miles of that pool going into that dam. and. We got some bigger waves than what the canoe should be handling. We took water in and we were able to get off and out on the riprap, fortunately. Just started throwing everything up on the bank. Kind of looked like a debris field from a plane crash, but you know, at least we were safe up on the rock. So that's something that I wish wouldn't have happened, but it was only for about a half hour. Oh, Did you get a chance to get on the trip? <clears throat> I took uh, I took one day with Hank. Okay. So. Uh, he floated into uh, Dubuque, where the museum is, on a Friday afternoon, Friday evening. And uh, they had a big doings there that night. And uh, my daughter had some softball games that Friday night. So I was here in Ames. I got up bright and early Saturday morning, drove from Ames up to Dubuque, met Hank at the museum. And we put in to uh, the river there at the museum. And then I floated down to Bellevue with, with them. What we learned that day is that two guys in a canoe are unbelievably faster than one guy in a kayak. Like, not okay. even close. So, in the morning, we're going along and they're just doing their leisurely thing. And you know, if you're in a, if you're in a kayak, you kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna tink, 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 go along. No, for me to even think about keeping up with them, it was the like, drive and yank and you know after I did that for like a half hour to an hour and I'm struggling to I loved it I keep just up to watch Jeff work like, so hard I was busting my butt and I'm just like that's it now the great thing is that I've known Hank forever and Hank does the same thing every day he stops and takes a nap okay <laughs> so I knew that that some semblance of salvation was coming at some juncture that we would get to stop and I would get to rest. And so that did occur halfway through the day. And we did 25, 26 miles. Like 27 miles or so. Yeah. Okay. We're heading for Bellevue. Yes. Yeah. And uh, in the in the afternoon, I was just like, I'm doing this. This is as fast as I can comfortably go the rest of the day. We will get there, and I don't care what time it is, but when we get there, I'll get there. But I am not, I am not like trying to kick butt the entire afternoon because this is this is impossible. And I like I'm, I'm a big guy. I feel like I'm kind of strong-ish, and I go to the gym. I'm in I'm in A shape. I don't know if I'm in shape, but I'm in A shape. And and I was just like, that is it. I am done. I can't do this. And I was anymore. surprised at that. I I really thought that a kayak was a little sleeker, you know. And of course, our canoes really weighted down with the, everything we got in it. Mm -hmm. Two people and all our gear and all the water and stuff. And yeah, Jeff, we wore him out. Yeah, it was awesome. It was. <laughs> but I think I think the deal is the canoe just tracks, and the kayak as you go, you're gonna you kind of. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. And the canoe just kind of cuts through the it water. Cuts, and you're always fighting that last stroke that's pulling you off one way or another. Okay. I even had my kayak that has a little bit of a keel to it, but it was always, you know. You know, not not the straight line path that the canoe takes. Ooh, thanks for the credit there that we were actually going straight. <laughs> you didn't have a beer until late in the day when the pontoon stopped by and gave us some beers. So yeah, that oh. was a friend from the no, that was a friend from Bellevue. Yes, you had. He had a friend uh, up there that works for the DNR came by with the, in the DNR boat. No, I, it was his personal boat. It wasn't DNR. Okay, boat. it was okay. <laughs> no, no, honest, honest to goodness, it was, sure. it was his, his personal boat. boat. It was his personal boat, and we don't know who he was. He, I don't know who he worked for, but, but he did throw Jeff or Jeff threw him a rope. All I knew is he went by us towing Jeff for about two miles. Yes, <laughs> it's true. They tuckered me out. It was yeah. 
I had no idea I was going to work that hard that day. Interesting. So you just thought you were just there for like a leisure leisure paddle. I, I didn't think it was quite going to be that easy, but I had no idea it was going to be as hard as it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I spent one of the 70 days with Hank. Yeah, 64. 64. 164. We had two <laughs> other friends that showed up on Lake Pepin. Um, the first evening we were there from Ames here, Corey and Craig Montgomery, brother team, and they had a really fancy, sleek wooden canoe that they'd made or bought from a friend or whatever, one of those cedar canoes. And uh, they were so excited they're going to go with us two or three days, camp with us and everything. But Lake Pepin is, it's a pool, of course, of the Mississippi, but it's also a kind of a natural lake. It's been there yes. for decades, yep. decades, or, yep. or centuries, I should say. It's about 30 miles long. And the waves would get, oh, about a foot high, which for our canoe was, eh, that's not good, but no problem, really. But for their real slick, go-fast vessel, they couldn't do it. They, they That was too much rough water for them, so they had to quit after just half a day wow. and get, get to shore, or they'd have been in trouble. Because the wind got a little stronger, and if they'd have been, you know, because this is a real wide place, too, you know, if they're a mile out from shore, and those they would have been in big trouble so they were smart enough to say hey, it ain't gonna work so so we had friends come with us at times but it didn't always work out perfectly you know? so. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so the listeners and watchers probably wondering like these guys are jamming it's because it's music night i forgot <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so the, the, they're doing uh sound checks and everything so you guys can hear the the music in the background and okay i i have to ask guys what is that black bug so yeah, I don't know what its official name is called, but it's uh, people often refer to it as a picnic bug. Picnic bug. Picnic right. bug, and they're right. the little black ones. So we have them all the time when our, we're playing softball games in the late summer and fall. That they beer, just... beer beetles. <laughs> okay, <laughs> another right. name. No, yes. no, that's just what people call them because they're in my beer. <laughs> protein. protein, protein. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Protein, right? Uh, so during this trip. How was the fishing, and what were you targeting mostly? You know, I, I didn't fish very much, really? as strange as that may sound. Um, we fished quite a bit almost every morning and evening, mostly evenings when we were up in Minnesota on the Crow Wing okay. and on the Mississippi. My friend Don Smalley would constantly catch nice smallmouth that we'd let go, of course. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Your friend Don Smalley... Kept catching smallmouth bass. Yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he was my first paddler. He went for two weeks with me. He was an old college buddy. And he had this knack for just throwing a maps and catching smallmouth like he was born to do it. And I'd try, and I, I had a gar on once, um, snagged the buffalo, you know, stuff like that. But he kept catching some nice, he caught a nice walleye uh, one day, but it was not the time that we, so we let it go. Um, anyhow, as the trip evolved, and Don wasn't with me anymore. Um, and as we f went along the Iowa, Illinois, because you know the license I had, I did some fishing, but not. I didn't catch anything. I had a day off in Bellevue with a DNR man in his personal boat. Took me fishing. Uh, <laughs> That's my buddy Scott. Yes. Yes, Scott Gritters took me fishing below that dam there, and uh, we caught a bunch of largemouth, a couple smallmouths, some northerns. He kept to eat. I, I had fun with a big old dogfish or both him. So that's the most fishing I did. Once we got further down, I, I'm struggling. I'm I'm not very techno savvy, and so I want I needed to get more fishing licenses. And I get in on the Missouri thing, and I next thing I know, I bought one day license. So <laughs> I fished for catfish that day, didn't get any. And then the next day, my, my buddy Ryan started paddling with me, and he had a year-long one for Missouri. So I just let him do the fishing. And he said he caught four nice channel cats one night. We ate every inch of them. And then another night, he caught two of them. We ate both of those. Nice. Um, but no, I didn't keep buying the licenses as I went along, to be honest with you. You know, earlier in the trip, we were trying to do these 30 miles a day, and to do that, we had to paddle about 10 hours, and I was just wow. beat. Yeah. Later in the trip, the river was going a lot faster, and we could get those 30, 35, maybe 40 miles in in seven hours or six hours, but it was so hot. I mean, it's just a heat and humidity. You get done, and all you want to do is have enough strength to get that tent up and sit in that chair and watch the sunset go down. You know, you just <laughs> don't, it, it takes all the energy out of you. Yeah. So I didn't fish as much as I certainly thought I would have. 
Now, when I was struggling in the kayak, he was over there casting away the whole stinking And I wasn't time. catching anything. You did not catch a thing, but you definitely were fishing. <laughs> and I'm watching him going, that son of a gun. This episode was helped brought to you by our newest sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. They're a brewery out there in eastern Iowa. So if you're in the area, make sure to stop by Kelowna and check out their brewery. Great food at the restaurant there. Great beer, obviously. If you're in the Midwest, check out any Hy-Vee's. I believe they carry the six packs and they have different types of flavors. So you guys are going to want to, you know, definitely try that out. And I think throughout this whole process, Fishing Kid and myself for Beer Fish Fanatics, we're going to be doing some giveaways here and there. If you guys can go ahead and tag us here and there with your Kelowna beer. So other than that, enjoy the episode, guys. Hello, 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 hello. Can you hear me? Well, hi there. So um, we had to go do a quick, we had to go do a quick refill. Did you push record on the thing? Yeah, I think so. Right. I hope so. I don't want to, you know, I don't want us to go get home like, oh, I didn't hit record. <laughs> so in case anybody's wondering, Jeff got a little bit younger here. Um, Better looking. Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Gained so, a few pounds. The beard color well. changed. <laughs> so FYI, uh, we, we have Andy here. He's uh, Hank's son. And you, you were, um, Hank was just mentioned, you were on the trip quite a bit, huh, with him? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't. I wasn't as much as I... I or probably my dad wanted me to be. Um, I did get to spend two and a half days on the river with him. Um, it, it was an incredible experience, but um, yeah, not as much as I, I certainly wanted to be. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, I've got two two little girls at home, and uh, you know work commitments and everything like that. Uh, so no, I wasn't able to spend all summer floating down the river like <laughs> like uh, most would would want to do. But it, it was an incredible experience, you know, for those short days. What was the um, what would you say was like the best part for you? Um, just spending time with my dad, you know, and and I'd known about the trip. Um, here's the deal, and, and the first time we got together for that 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 podcast uh, last year, um, you know, I told you guys that I grew up with his first trip. You know, I mean, I'm talking weekly going to bed stories about uh, that trip to Hudson Bay and, you know, you know, asking him to tell, you know, tell us about this, this experience or this memory, things like that. Um, so I grew up with the Hudson Bay trip. And when he brought the, the Mississippi River Gulf of Mexico trip to the family, um, you know, certainly wanted to be a part of it. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was fabulous. Uh, but just spending time with him, you know, I'm, I'm not the uh, hardcore adventurer like my old man. Uh, so, so I did get to fish, you know, I, I, I fished that one night. We had a fabulous campsite. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an Island. Um, and we had great flow on both sides of the Island and we're off the, the down, you know, the down downstream side downstream side um you know for us us folks up here in the middle of iowa i think we talked about it god if we had this set up like on the des moines river it'd be uh it'd be a hotbed fishing wise because it was perfect i mean we had this long island and then just you know sandbar and then just cut off with a drop off great great current and uh yeah i was able to uh catch a, a really nice flathead um rod and reel and, and had a great time with that so that was fun but just camping and, and canoeing with old man was great um the, the thing that i you know hasn't been brought up yet that i'll i'll do it um was the dang jumping carp the asian carp oh, were really they were terrible crazy um and they really affected me you know i got on the canoe for a couple of days and got off and was like all right good good luck dad peace out but that uh that last day that i was with him i mean you'd be paddling along and one of these big head carp would just out of out of nowhere out of left field just just fly up over the canoe and uh it it, it kind of affected me i was i was kind of rattled and but he he dealt with it for another you know month yeah. so, i don't think they're big heads weren't they the silvers oh silvers I, well no i think they're big head too i mean oh. i think if you get above a 10 pounder i think that might be jeff would know oh only the jump or all jumpers are silvers then incorrect yeah they're all silver carp wow they, they were they were terrible 
there you could you never knew when it was going to happen and sometimes two or three of them be coming through they they'd land in the canoe and start flopping around and they're sliming their scales and knocking things over we kept a cover over most of it but like where i would sit in the back of canoe it was probably about four feet landing strip for them that they could get in there and start banging around so and it wasn't it wasn't them actually jumping it was the the fear of when they're going to do it oh, it's like okay. so you're going along and you know what's going to happen but you don't know when you don't you don't know when and like uh and all of a sudden bam one would come and right these are, up these are seven to twelve pounds i mean right. these aren't little yeah. tiny these aren't like white bass these are big dogs flying at you yeah yeah, yeah. they could do some damage if oh, they hit absolutely. you absolutely yeah. it quickly went from exciting because i'd never experienced it I'd, I'd always heard about it watch videos about it the jumping carp and, and it went from excitement to having it happen to then fear of not knowing when it will happen. Yeah, but. really hating it. Yeah. One thing I want to add about Andy catching a nice flathead on that beautiful island is he had taken along, uh, I guess it's called a cast net, mm-hmm. um, which I'd never used one. He'd never used one. I'd he, never, yeah. Never he brought one, one along. So if you, you guys probably have used them. You know, it, it, yeah. you don't I'll, just take it out of the wrapper and start catching bait. <laughs> horrible you know, at a, it. Horrible <laughs> at it. So, so he's got this this deal and he it and looks so tangled easy. up and things are you know <laughs> but he worked he kept at it kept at it kept at it. pretty soon he's going oh look at that you know and he made it go and next thing you know he's he was probably more excited about getting those shad in that net so he could actually now fish <laughs> the, than he caught the nice flathead on one it, it was crazy because I, you know the the throws of that cast net let's say i did it 50 times mm-hmm. only one cast i got Chad, gizzard chad and they were big ones they were they were really big perfect for bait but that was the only bait that i was hoping to have or was able to acquire um and yeah so i was i was ecstatic i mean i was around the point from the island i came back screaming at my dad i got him i got him i got him you know and and you know then was able to catch a you know a nice flathead on it yeah but, after you put that on for bait he had that flathead within 10 minutes wow. nice. yeah. it was really cool it was really neat so, written, you know, andy like, sounded sounds like me because so case i don't know he never posted it, thank goodness so i actually learned how to throw a cast net from that guy oh okay, yeah i need i, I, I did see you yeah he, he he taught me because uh one day I, we were meeting up to go fishing, right? And next thing I know, I threw probably at least 40 times. And, like, the, and I was getting tired. I, I waited until yeah. the 35th time. I was like, all right, this is how you do it. That's exactly what he did. He waited to watch me throw it 40, 30 to 40 times before he finally like, dude, this is what you need to do. But Kit's got to be really good at it because it, it helps, I think, to be taller. You know, to be able to flip that thing, or maybe it's just because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> well, the thing is, I taught him to throw it better than I could ever throw it. Ooh, so, the, yeah, that's over. The yeah, student I mean, overtakes I, the teacher. I was like, wow, that was like a circle. Mine yeah. are usually like tacos or beans. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's folding over in itself, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we. I'm surprised you never showed it. Yeah. We, we, Maybe we'll see if we can find that video so you I can. I thought I posted it on yeah. Facebook. Maybe. Do you wrap it around your arm? And uh, then... Just the rope. Just the rope. Just oh, the rope. okay. Yeah. All right. But there's like a, I'll call it the Asian way. Okay. Um, they'll, they'll throw it like on their shoulder, like on them, and then like yeah, put, that's... put part of it in their mouth. Uh... Which is kind of gross. I mean, that's why I don't do it the, the Asian way. But for some reason, like I don't know how how they set it all up on their shoulder in their mouth. Yeah, and they just throw it, and it just spreads it is, out. It is an art form. Yeah, and I am not an artist. I borrowed I borrowed that from him this week when I camped on the Des Moines River because I think that's how I'm going to get my bait, and I. I'm chucking that thing out, and it's like you said, it's folding over like a taco, and it's <laughs> yeah. doing this. We, finally, finally, honestly, I got to where I'd get it spread out up as tall as I could. And I'd just go, <laughs> and it basically just <laughs> drop it. Yeah. And and sure enough, there's so many shad in there about this long. I got in plenty for bait. Just basically going. <laughs> the day before we practiced in his front yard horrible <laughs> and i walked away i was horrible. like good luck dad <laughs> uh, you're you're in trouble yeah as uh, long as they can you as long as you can get some tangled in the net you're yeah, all right you're yeah. all right yeah but no uh like you're saying I, your excitement from that that one yeah. cast i know that feeling yeah. like that was awesome when you when you toss though those cast nests like that, I was like, yeah, it was, yeah. It, it's definitely pretty cool. Um, oh, um, I don't, I don't think we mentioned it, but what stretch did you uh, 
did you hop in at? Oh shoot! Um, I end. Gosh, it, I don't even know. I ended in Hannibal. Um, yeah, you started started in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you were <laughs> north of Quincy, south of south of just La south Port? of Kentucky. Was it Laporte? Just south of Keokuk. Yeah, it was. It was just south of Keokuk, Iowa. Like you said, the middle of nowhere. It was. It was a boat ramp in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, got got. Oh, I've got a, a yellow jacket in my beer. Oh, you're brave. Didn't get me. Um, but yeah, no, I started started uh, in the middle of nowhere um, and, and ended in Hannibal, oh. Hannibal, Missouri. Yeah, it was cool. We. Uh, we pulled up in Hannibal, then you know, and there, and there happened to be one of those big old paddle wheel boats, you know, from the 1800s and that parked there, kind of a tour boat and that. And you just think, you just almost feel the history, you know, of Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, and the, you know, Tom, Tom Sawyer and Huckle Finn and all those guys there. It's it's pretty neat. Granny, you did ask earlier, you you know, to my dad, what was the the biggest issue or concern or things that you had to overcome and i was gonna you know mention it's finding somebody crazy enough to join you every day <laughs> on this deal and i and i say that with love but um you know you did how many how many different people and, and sat had, in the front of the canoe i had eight different paddlers as we yeah. went along we had a couple that went a full two weeks Wow. Um, Andy was only like two and a half, three days. And another one, Jared from the museum, whose whose programs are going to get the donations, he went for three days. Um, and then other good friends that would go from five or eight. I had one friend. Uh, well, he's the son of a friend, grandson of a friend of mine. That he was. He's just turned eighteen this month. So I had a, a young high school age guy that went with me for five days from oh, but below St. Louis for some and. Um, and I think it's something that maybe day to day, hour to hour, he didn't enjoy a whole lot. But when, you know, he'll look back on it and go, God, that was pretty cool to be part of that. So, yeah, I was able to, I just went through my phone of trying to find people. Well, <laughs> and obviously that what you end up with is old people because you got, I mean, you got to find people that you guys are probably on the list. Aren't doing anything, you know? So I'm like, I got people my age that I knew were friends from way back and, and, and weren't working anymore. Like, me so that's what we had for the most part but we had andy of course we had two guys from ames one's a younger guy that i play softball with who's who's real good and then we had a a, a guy from ames that could adjust his schedule because he's the fireman fireman and ent so of course he's big strong and it's always in composure he was a guy that was in the front of the canoe when we were in that trouble at the clinton lock and dam and and as i i've told people i said it's not just his physical ability but in his job he has to stay calm you know, so he didn't panic or anything. It's just this is what we got to do. This is what we're going to get done. You know, so that it worked well. I had I had fabulous, fabulous people with me all summer. That's and pretty cool. Awesome. So you started the trip solo, correct? Yeah, because the first part, it, the river's too small for the canoe. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by too small, not it was too shallow at places, but it didn't. For the most part, it doesn't go under bridges. It goes through culverts. Mm. So, you know, I actually put like one video and some other pictures. I'm going through tubes. That, I mean, I'm laying back as fat as I can and then it, it knocked my hat off and hopefully my hat would come down the end too. But, <laughs> you know, so yeah, that you couldn't canoe that. Mm, so once okay. the Leaf River joined the Crow Wing River, I just went a little ways and that's where my friend, my old college buddy met with my canoe and our gear to go with the canoe from then on. Okay, so from then on, were th was there any stretches where you were solo or was somebody always there? I was just two days I was solo and that's after I dropped Andy off at Hannibal. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to St. Louis and that's just right at the second, third, fourth of July. Uh -huh. It was really hard to find people who wanted to take, you know, to, to be with me in that river <laughs> instead of doing fourth of July. Stuff. Right, right, right. And so I, I could have just stopped there. I've got relatives that helped me a lot in St. Louis. They got me off the river. I could do, they did laundry for me and put, got out in the hotel. Anyway, it was just a real good break. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know, I looked at the weather reports. I saw what the, the river gauges were and everything. I thought, well, I'll go a couple days by myself. So I went about two and a half days by myself, but the weather conditions were good. I didn't have headwinds because that's where you'd have a problem keeping things going straight. And mm -hmm. I knew I had had a tailwind. I had good current. I went through like three locks and everything worked perfect. So, but yeah, I only had those few days by myself. Oh, okay. All right. Is there anything that you would change differently if you could go back and, and like, you know what? Shit, I should have planned this a little bit better or a situation like, dang it, 
you know, you could always look at it and say maybe it could have done better, but I think the way to look at it is how fortunate we were with what we did do. You know, the planning worked as far as how many days or how many miles per day we could go. Mm-hmm. It was very fortunate the start date that I chose. And I just chose it because I thought June 3rd would be a lucky day. Well, if I would have backed that up, let's say, to June 17th, two weeks later, where we were trying to start, there wouldn't have been enough water. It, it, was, mm. it was historically dry up there this year. In fact, people are trying to do the headwaters in Mississippi. They couldn't because they were just dragging or walking. And the Leaf River got down to almost nothing. So the start was perfect as far as water levels to be able to do it there. Okay. Plus, as you know, if, what if I'd have been two weeks late with the hurricane coming in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I probably couldn't even fish, finish it. We'd have got like the Vicksburg and said, screw it. You know, we're not going to go down into that. So, yeah, instead of saying, what should I have done different? I'm not sure if I would have been smart enough to do it any different. I mean, it just kind of worked. And, and and I think I'm just very lucky about how some of the things did did work out, especially with the people we would, we would run into. We, you know, we, we needed to get ice and water every fourth day. And we'd like to get off the river about every fifth day, sleep in a bed, or at least maybe not on sand. You know, put your tent up in grass at a campground or something and do some laundry or whatever. And through a Facebook group called Mississippi River Angels, who maybe will help us here, and then they've got contacts there, and then there's contacts here, and next next thing you know, we're we're getting the mayor of Osceola, Arkansas, sitting with us and bringing us pizza. You know, the, the head of the Chamber of Commerce and the city workers of Carothersville, Missouri, who are now good friends of ours, you know, put us up for a day. Um, you, we just met fabulous people. There's a guy Gotta named... Excuse me real quick. Okay. Gotta go blow my nose. <laughs> There's a guy down by Greenville, Mississippi named Big Mike. He's got a fishing camp on Lake Washington, which he says is the second best crappie lake in the world. But we had connections where he was going to have a guy pick us up at the river and take us to stay at a little cabinet on his dime at his place. And we wow. got to watch a crappie weigh in and stuff like that. And then he goes... Well, how far are you going to go tomorrow? And I said, well, we try to go 30 to 40 miles. Shoot, I'll pick you up again. He says, you can come back to the cabin, just leave your stuff there. And then the next day, load it all up and go. So we had one day there that that he took us to the river without our camping gear, without 12 gallons of water and all this and that. So now we got a nice light canoe to go Uh because we went 40 miles to another boat ramp. He picked us up again and drove us back to the cabin and then took us back the next morning. So, I mean, and those people, we didn't know at all two weeks prior to that. You know, you just run into to good people, really good people on that trip. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, would you say that's kind of part of the, the mystique about this trip? Was the, the greatest part was meeting these unbelievable people that you would never have met if you didn't take this trip. And then just hearing their stories and, you know, the shit that they've gone through. And just, just It's just meeting these people. Well, you're absolutely right, Grandy. In fact, uh, going back to that trip to Hudson Bay... There are people that live in southern Manitoba that they're in my phone. I could call them right now. And we met them 42 years ago this summer and just stayed, just come up and knocked on the door and asked if we could camp in their yard, you know, by their barn. Mm-hmm. And they're still our close friends today. Wow. And I'm, I'm guarantee you there's two or three people I've met on this trip that, you know, 10 years from now, I could still go call them up or they'll come up here. There's there's two different groups down there, one from Crothersville, Missouri, and another big Mike down there in Greenville, Mississippi that I don't know if it'll happen, but they would like it to try to happen, and I would love it to try to happen, and that is I've got something I can provide for them that they've never done. You know, they did such a good job of helping me this summer, but those people have never ice fished. Really? Where they live, that latitude that's not available, they've Mm. never even, they've seen it on TV is all. (laughs) So I've promised them if they get up to Ames, then I'll take them up to our place in Minnesota. I'll get those people out on the ice and and that'll be fun. Yeah. I mean, actually, we've we've done a lot of podcasts with a lot of people down south um, in in Hawaii and everything and in just the West Coast. And you're right. That's the first thing they're like, we never ice fish. And you know, they say we see it all the time and they freak out because, you know, <laughs> we'll drive them on the lake the first time. Oh, you know, <laughs> I still get a little freaked out about driving on. Uh, I still to this day, like um, even my brother-in-laws, because they're from Denver, because a lot of the spots that they ice fish at, they can't drive on. Right. The high mountains. Yeah, right. exactly. So and when we started because um, they came to visit us and we would take them up to like Clear Lake. Um, Okaboji, and that was the very first couple of times I think we started driving on the water, 
and I kid you not, everybody was on. I mean, their half their body was outside the window while one guy was driving. I, I, kid, I, I shit you not, everybody's like ready, to, ready to bail, ready to bail. They're just like, this is not cool. It's not cool. They're just and then when it cracks, out, you yes. know, yeah, when you're driving. So, um, oh, that that'll be fun. Yeah, bring bring those southerns. I love. Oh, I, I, I hope they can make it up. That'd yeah. be awesome. I, I learned to drive, um, probably you know, as a twelve year old or something, on Big Creek. Really? Yeah. I mean, on he, the ice. Yeah. I, I mean, because we, my, he had a, we had a permanent shack on Big Creek, you know, through the through the eighties, nineties, and that. And I mean, what are you gonna hit? I mean, a, an ice shack, you know. So That's true. That was you know when I first got the keys and you know drove a little bit, but I remember that too in college, you know, taking buddies to go ice fishing on Hickory Grove or some other lake in Central Iowa. And they knew they were going ice fishing, but I didn't say anything about driving on the ice. And so <laughs> you just come up to the access. You'd come up to the boat ramp, you're like just on the access, and I wouldn't say anything. You know, and they're nervous as can be to walk on ice. But I would go up and you know in my truck or you know whatnot and be like, you know what, this looks this looks thick. Why? Let's just drive on. Let's go. And I would start going on the ice. And you're talking about seat belts, like you're saying windows, like just people yeah. freaking out. And I'm just giggling as as can be because there's 17, 18 inches of ice and we've been driving on it, you know, for a month. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh man, that's also how ice fishing in central Iowa was 20 years ago, 30 years ago too. So I I still get freaked out if, if I'm, if I'm ever going to drive on the ice, I'm just like, oh, I got to see like a hundred other trucks out there. All right. I'll follow those guys. Yeah. You don't want to be the first one out where you. Wait a minute. I try not to break that rule, but I do something. <laughs> I was going to say, everybody's like, when's Hank driving? The, the, sun, the sun just busted him out. You know, <laughs> I, I, if I do that, even though I've already walked out and I've drilled holes and I know I've got 16 inches or better, I'll still have no seatbelt on, a life jacket on, the windows rolled down, and the door cracked open, you know, yeah, always the trust, first run. <laughs> always trust the guy that's driving a vehicle with a life jacket on, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'll tell you what, I've, I've got the best first ice story, though, ever. So we went ice fishing on Hickory Grove many years ago. Three of us are going to go test the ice. I'm the smallest. Oh, wow. Me, Keith, and Leroy. Yeah, that would have been a big trio. That's a big trio, and that is not a group of people that should be the first ones out testing. Or that. sit right next to each other in that little shack of mine. <laughs> we, we spaced out very well. Man, I, actually, I think we're supposed to get a really in cold winter. Cold winter. Yeah, that's the so uh, I heard. What's the the forecast? That's what yeah, that's that's old farmers and yeah. We'll see. We don't know it. There's not many old farmers left. I don't know how true that's going to be. That's true. What does Jeff think about that this winter? Do you kind of follow the almanac or? I wait for the weather to happen. Ah. Mm. There you go. Then you can't be wrong. Right. And we're in (laughs) Iowa. It changes. Yeah. I mean, tomorrow is supposed to be 100 degrees. And then Sunday is supposed to be, you know, after the Hawkeye's wind, it's supposed to be like 80 degrees. I wonder it's, if you could it's make be cold Sunday because if the Hawkeyes win, hell's gonna freeze. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! I love it. Look. I wonder if you could make money instead of a weather forecast. You do a nightly recap. This is our weather recap for the day. By the way, this morning, if you got up, this is what you had, and this is what we have now. Yeah. Suppose you get sponsors for that. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting idea. You'd never be wrong. <laughs> You'd never be wrong. You're right. I don't know. I'd stick to. <laughs> what you're doing, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm not doing much. <laughs> but hey, you- by the way, speaking, of, you know, I, I appreciate so much you guys having having us on again to talk about uh, yeah, that. Thank trip. you. But I, I haven't really mentioned. It was called One for Water, and that's the word one, the number four, and then the word water. Mm-hmm. And if you would go to the National River Museum slash One for Water, there's still a funding site up. So there may be somebody that listens to this and goes, God, that's kind of cool. It's a chance to pay it forward for the next generation to enjoy water and soil, trees, birds, everything that we cherish. You know, how can we help them in the future? And, and, and by donating to that cause, it'll help young kids and smart people do the right things for Mother Earth. You know, it's kind of a, a little mantra I have is if you, you could always look at the trash you see or the, the, the warming climates and everything else and give up and say, hey, it's not going to make any difference. But if we do that, then we are lost. Instead, we have to say, how can I be one that will make a difference Yeah, and, and try to do something to help? 
Oh, that's awesome. We'll, we'll put that. We'll definitely put that in the show notes. We'll put the link to to the Thank website you. and everything. And then um, that kind of actually leads into um, just I don't know if, if people are listening up to this point. We are going to do. Um, I think we're going to do a cleanup uh, in October, and I think uh, we're going to be doing towards the end of October, probably at Big Creek. So cool. if you know any listeners are listening, uh, oh that is awesome! Yeah, come meet yeah. us out there. We're probably going to get out there. Uh, you know, obviously having Jeff and just the Iowa DNR, you know, just jumping on our podcast a lot, and we're just like, you know what? We'll help the Iowa DNR out and clean up some of the the shit that we see all the time. I mean, it's it's a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's so. it's interesting. Like when we put in at rivers around here, like the Boone and the Moines that I I love so much, the canoe and paddle. Mm-hmm. I'll always take a bag along and pick up what's at that access. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm maybe I've just been lucky, but it seems to be a better conditions now than like five or ten years ago. And especially it seems like let's say like at the below the Fraser Dam, if I pick up what trash is there, and there'll be some. I could come back then maybe a week later, and a lot of times there won't be any more yet. It's almost like if you can keep it nice, they don't want to be the first ones to do something stupid to it. Yeah. So it's we almost got to get a network of people that are closer or whatever that you do it on Thursday, you do it on Tuesday, you know, I'll be there on Monday, you know, and then it'll it'll always be nice because it is so nice to float down those rivers and not see trash. And unfortunately, this whole summer on the Mississippi, many times we're going past millions of beautiful trees and the 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 scenery was spectacular at times if we're not in the barges and the infrastructure and we would pull up to what i call these willow groves they have a different type of willow down there it gets about this big in diameter but they don't have any leaves or, or, or branches until they get way up high and then they've got a nice top from a distance you'd think you're on a lake way up in ontario and just looking at pines and then underneath it's like almost a park almost no undergrowth i mean it is so beautiful yeah. But you set your tents up and you look around, you you are always going to find a bottle there, mm. a can there, and something there. So, I mean, you could, as pretty as it is from the distance, once you're there, there's trash all around you. Mm. And that that's just sad, you yep. know. I've seen a change um, in social media, you know, different things. People are calling out people for mm. for littering nowadays. You know, I, I think back in the day, unfortunately, it was happening um, there wasn't a platform uh, to, you know, call people out. And, and you guys have done a great job because you've done it for years now of, of, you know, getting people together to pick stuff up, calling people out for, for littering. Um, and and I'm, I'm proud of a lot of the, the, the fishing community that aren't standing for the places we love, um, you know, here in, here in Iowa, um, you know, making sure that they're, they're staying clean and yeah, like right. well, like Ada Hayden right here in Iowa, and I bike or walk around that, and you're hard pressed to find any litter to pick up, yeah. because there's so many people that when they do that, that's part of their activity to pick up anything they yeah. see, and on a, a on a different area, but boy, I've noticed a very positive change is where we ice fish lake of the woods in that southern i call it the southern lobe you know still in in minnesota waters out of wheeler's point just 10 years ago when all those wheelhouses and castles and stuff would leave they'd just throw stuff wherever and now there's almost this last few years there's almost no litter it's like people just finally put their foot down and said this is crap don't do it Mm -hmm. and like andy said there's they're starting to point fingers and and you know put some pressure on the goofballs um and it just looks so much better now it really does right like like you know there's a saying that social media is like the worst thing but when it comes to like yeah if 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 you're in any of those uh ice fishing groups like every time somebody leaves a big mess like oh you're getting called out for sure you're you are getting called out so I guess, you know, it's, I guess social media is a double-edged sword. Just, that's the one. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, but, and that's the one but, positive Yeah, it's thing. a positive, it's in, a positive in that case. I agree. You know, you know what? If, if I could ever see this in my lifetime, and that is go fish below Salerville on what I call the east side and walk <laughs> all the way down to that little point, you know, where the water comes in by what's called the cottonwood access or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I could ever walk down to that point and look around and not see a bunch of litter, I would die a happy man, but I, I've, I yeah. have never seen that. I mean, you could go there, seems like every other day with a trash bag and fill up three of them. And yeah. 
I, I mean, that's just sad. So, same same thing with Red Rock. I mean, we we, we fish at, at Lake Red Rock quite a bit, and, and it's you're right. It's it's sad just to see. But I mean, uh, on a like you're saying, uh, the social media aspect is just getting the word out, and I do see a lot of. And then obviously with COVID last year. And this year, you know, there's a lot more fishermen out oh, there, absolutely. a lot of newer that yeah. don't know any better. Um, but I think having the social media did help that to to educate them that, you know, pick up your line. A lot of people don't know oh, that, you yeah. know, a lot of new newbies, when they put new line on the reel, they just like cut it and just throw it. They yeah. don't understand how that affects yeah. you yeah. Know, the whole situation of, of, of the, the, the body that you're fishing at. But I think having social media, that's the one positive aspect. It helps teach them like, oh, shoot, I should have picked that up or they'll do it from this point. Yeah. forward. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so we did. Uh, well, sake fishing, uh, Sean. He did a cleanup, I want to say, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, the trash. It's like people <laughs> go out there with, like, full <laughs> trash bags and dump it there. That's how bad it was. Didn't you do it on the Iowa State football game day? We probably did. We Yeah, we probably did. But, uh, man, I, like, I swear, it's like people are yeah. hauling trash out there to throw out uh, there. Yeah, that was... That was the first one. I, I was so proud. I, I think that might when I started following you, you know, on on socials, social media, and that, I was so proud of that. And I was like, ah, shoot, it's uh, Iowa State game. I'm up in Ames. Priorities, you know. <laughs> but no, I, that's that's awesome that that you know, Saki fishing and you guys did that. that yeah, that's yeah. Awesome. Like I think we hauled out, 20, I want to say twenty six, like those big black trash bags full. Yeah. And and there was still like a ton left. Yeah. It was it was raining that day, so we had to stop. Yeah, and yeah, yeah and FYI, I just talked to Sean because I went fishing with him the other day. Uh, he will be there too to to help us out at Big Creek and just clean up a little bit. So, well, that'd be fantastic. It'll be fun. We'll have some good stuff. Well, we'll talk to. Uh, we'll have some beverages. Good beverages. If you guys want to join yeah. us, as long as we pick up after ourselves, right? Yes, very true. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so. Well, yeah, I can't. I mean, this is uh, this is fun, man. I, I'm ready to go in and have a couple more beers. But yeah, <laughs> you got anything else for uh, Hank and Andy? I mean, um, yeah. So if anybody wants to get a hold of you, Hank, you your uh, one for water, or actually, we didn't even talk about your your guide yeah. service. I, I, oh, we yeah. can do it. Do it real quick. We can do it. Yeah, you want to just a little go bit over that. that real quick? Okay, I I have a. a so-called guide right, service, right. guide service. learn to fish uh, which i had to completely put on uh, the back page you know for this year and a half first of all covid and then because i was gone doing the trip so i actually uh, i still have that website up just hank kohler's learn to fish and i put a deal in there that i've got a couple of weeks the last couple of weeks in october with some openings if anybody okay. wants to go uh what it'd be is basically we'd, we'd go up to my cabin in minnesota or they can find their own lodging up there and then I've got uh, some marvelous lakes uh, within a half hour drive of there. And when I, well, we got one right in front of the cabin and one right behind it and all over. <laughs> but as Jeff can ascertain, there's some really special ones up there. There's there's 1,048 lakes in Ottertail County, uh, just in that county. Wow. And in a 30 mile radius so far, I've only been able to fish 97 of them. So. I've got work to do, but yes, as you, you can tell, if I fish 97 of them, I ought to be able to pick out 7 or 15 that are pretty darn good, pretty special. And and as I tell people that my, my price is very reasonable because it might be for a three-day deal, you know, and they're, they're not going to fish out of a, a, a fancy smancy boat at all. It's, it's an old Lund with comfortable seats. I tell people, first of all, we're going to be safe, then we're going to be comfortable, and then we're going to be successful because it's not the boat, it's the water it goes on. Mm. That's what's going to make the difference. So, you know, if they're interested, they can go to Hank Cole's Learn to Fish. Mm-hmm. Or they can, like I said, they can still get, if they want to know a little bit more about me, just go to One for Water. The The funding page on Facebook isn't up, but all of the posts and all the pictures from June 3rd to August 5th are still on there. They could go yep. to One for Water and, and read through that and go, God, that was crazy. I don't know if I want to go with that guy or not. You know? <laughs> I love it. So we'll, we'll definitely put the links up and everything. Are you going to be doing anything for ice fishing this year? Uh, well, I've got 
I've got some our normal friends ice fishing trip. I'm pointing to some guys out here like Rich and I hope and he does. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm planning on going a yeah. bunch. So yeah, I, I will certainly try to take people clients ice fishing. Um, okay. and I'd love to do it. Same thing. We can go up to my cabin in Minnesota and fish those lakes around there. I provide cool. all the equipment and the lodging and everything for a very reasonable price. Um, it'll be kind of iffy as, as far as what days I'll have available. And a lot of it depends on when we get how soon we get safe ice. Okay. Yeah. But I, I am trying to get some of those friends I met this summer, you know, oh. up there. Some people from Mississippi and people from Southern Missouri. And then I've got a good friend, uh, Jimmy Burrow, who used to live here. And you, you might have heard of his son, Joe. He won the Heisman a couple of years ago. Mm. He's, he's a good friend. Uh, and he grew up in Mississippi. So he's been ice fishing with me in the past, and he just loved it. And it's such a different thing for, for him to do. So uh, we tried to do that last year, and then COVID hit. So I've already got some trips kind of in the calendar, but there'll be some other days. You know, we, we ought to try to get us up to our cabin in Minnesota oh. and, and, and get you fishing some of those lakes. Or around here, too. I mean, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll definitely do that. And then, yeah, make sure to tell that guy, you know, Joe Burrow, like I'm on my fantasy football, so hopefully <laughs> tell Joe well, to I, I, throw I, some good touchdowns. I talked to Jimmy a couple days right. ago, and he Just said he's, he's good to go. He's, right. he's ready to roll. <laughs> Just making sure. Um, Hot off the press. Do you guys have ice in November by chance up in Minnesota? or is it At times. Okay. At times. Uh, Enough if, for him. not for a normal a a lot of times my first trip will be up to upper red lake okay because it's shallow it'll start getting four to six inches walkable ice earlier than than other places uh further south like around our cabin it wouldn't have ice yet and lake of the woods because of how big it is and that it probably wouldn't have ice yet upper red lake um has been my my early fishing trip for the last few years up at washkish and it's been good for walleyes now. Um, okay. And last year you could keep three of them. So, I mean, it's some nice tasty eating. Yeah. Well, the only reason why I was asking, because if, if people are listening to this point, um, we might be going up there in, in mid-November for the uh, Hard Water Fishing ex- Expo. Oh, so cool. oh. um, we supposedly are press, I guess. Uh, that's I awesome. I don't know. Supposedly. Uh, we'll see. But <laughs> we're, we're going to go up there. And that's why I was just wondering, because we're going to go up there to Minnesota, Blaine, Obviously, yeah. near, right. near near uh, yeah. Minneapolis. So I was just wondering, but if not, what what, okay. what is it like twentieth of like around Thanksgiving yeah. week or so? Yeah, well, nineteenth, nineteenth, uh, November nineteenth. Yeah, a um, lot of weekend. times then we're still casting for bass okay. in those what? lakes, and it may be snowing on us, but you have some of the big dogs put the feed bags on those. Really? Lakes. Oh yeah, right. you won't catch as many, but you can catch a toad. Right, well, so. we, might, we might have to hit you up. Yeah, hey, I'm just saying yeah. we'll, we'll be up a little bit north in there November. There you go. So we'll just we'll, we'll let you guys know on that. Sounds, but sounds good. Um, this has uh, been awesome. We're, you know, like I just said, you know, we, we want to come here for the Cyhawk the weekend and just have you guys and have, you know, you explain to us how the trip was and everything. Thank you. Um, thank you guys for being here and just entertaining us by telling your stories and everything. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, I'm definitely going to put all the links and everything for, for you. And um, let's go have some more beers, guys. All right. So. Thanks, cool. thanks for having us on. Yeah, yeah thanks. Appreciate thanks, it. Yeah, thanks, Kit. Thanks, Granny. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.